the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. I'm back in town. Uh, Last week, I was down visiting my good friends Mickey, Minnie, and Donald, um, which you might know more generally as Disneyland. Um, My family went down there. We spent a few days down there, did California Adventure, did Disneyland Park, went on some rides, had some special desserts, and basically uh, wore ourselves completely out. So here I am now on Friday of the week after getting back on Sunday, and I'm still tired from my vacation. I'm sure many of you can appreciate that uh, you can go on vacation and come home, and now you need a vacation from the vacation because you you uh, you try to do a little bit too much in the limited amount of time that you had. But I'm back now um, after uh, after going through the rest of today and then all day tomorrow when I have seminars and some consultations. By about 5.30 or 6 o'clock tomorrow, I intend to collapse in a heap in my, in my bed and sleep the sleep of death for 12 to 14 hours. Of course, with the way my body is trained right now, I'll wake up in six hours because that's about when I always wake up is after six hours. It's one of the things when you have kids who need to get to school early in the morning, uh, dad never gets to sleep in during the week and my body is trained to uh, get up after six hours no matter when I go to bed. And I'm sure many of you out there experience the same kind of phenomenon. Um, My seminars tomorrow, by the way, are mostly full. I think uh, one of them, uh, either at 9 o'clock or noon at my office here, uh, just had a couple spaces open up because uh, someone had to cancel out. So if you go to eventbrite.com and look up the Living Trust Seminar for tomorrow, uh, for October 19th tomorrow, you may see that there's still a couple of spaces available in uh, one of those seminars. It's either 9 o'clock or uh, 12 o'clock. I don't recall which one. I do have larger public seminars coming up in the middle of November. And uh, people in the area surrounding my office uh, might be getting an email invitation for those seminars. Uh, But those are coming up in November. And it's Wednesday evening, November 13th. And Thursday evening, November 14th, starting at 7 o'clock at the Camden Community Center, which is on Union Avenue in San Jose near Camden Avenue. If you're familiar with the uh, San Jose area, 
Camden Community Center is actually part of the original Camden High School, which was right there fronting Camden Avenue. Uh, that most of the high school was replaced with a large uh, strip mall shopping center area. But some of the original buildings, including the gymnasium, are now the Campbell Community Center. So that's right behind the uh, shopping center right there on Camden Avenue at Union. And you can go to Eventbrite and register there as well. Look for Living Trust Seminar on the 13th of November or the 14th of November. I have uh, more space available than those, um, basically about four times as many seats available for those seminars. So if you'd like to come out on a Wednesday or Thursday evening, that's a good time to come out. Learn about living trust planning, estate planning, conservatorship, and probate, and actually uh, get to see me in person and meet me in person and find out that I'm exactly the same person live as I am on the air. I don't have a special... Uh, on-air persona that is somehow different from who I am in real life. So uh, also, if you're interested in a consultation on estate planning, living trust planning, special needs planning for a special needs family member, uh, if you have a situation I've talked about in the past, such as um, someone passing away with a trust but having property left outside of the trust, That would include if you have a family member that passed away somewhere else in the state and their residence wasn't in the trust or something similar. I can help out with situations like that. I can also go to court if you have an irrevocable trust right now that you and all the beneficiaries don't like and you want to change some of the terms of it. I can assist with that as well. You can go to my website at lawbob.com. And schedule those types of consultations as well. If you can't make it to a live seminar, go to YouTube, to my YouTube channel, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman. and uh, Or else just go to YouTube and search for Living Trust Seminar. And you will find that I actually am at the very top of the organic listings. You'll see a green box that says the Living Trust Seminar. That's my seminar from about five years ago that has gone completely viral over the last couple of years. It has over 56,000 views now, which I think is not bad for an ordinary estate planning attorney in San Jose. And as near as I can tell, people are watching it all over the United States. And it's at the top of the listings all over the United States. I'm a little bit proud of that. But it's a version of the seminar that I do live in my office and that I'll be doing at the Camden Community Center coming up in the middle of November. Now, I am live today. You can take, and we'll be taking calls if you'd like to call in with any questions you have. The number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Or you can email your question if uh, you're afraid to go on the air, and I understand that being on the air live can be a little bit scary. But you can email that question to me at radio at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B dot com, radio at lawbob.com. And uh, I can also get your question there, bring it out to the rest of the people listening, and answer it on the air for you. Continuing on with my tradition on this show of going to questions and situations all around the state of California, 
I'm going to present some more of these. I've done a little review and I've come up with a number of situations and several of which I know are likely to be of interest to you because you might be in a situation where it actually affects you or someone in your family. Now, here's a situation out of Southern California. The person says, my husband's in stage three of Alzheimer's. Now, that's pretty pretty serious level of Alzheimer's. Says, I need a power of attorney for finance and a power of attorney for medical decisions, what we call the advanced health care directive. Where do I file them? Well, I would start first by saying the problem that you have here is if your husband is in that advanced stage of Alzheimer's, there's no way he's likely legally to be able to sign any legal document granting authority to anybody to act on his behalf. This person said, our house is in both our names, but they want to do what do I need to do to keep it out of probate when he dies, uh, when we both die, says our kids need the money. Well, I can appreciate that. Well, a situation like this, if someone is in stage three of Alzheimer's, they probably don't have the legal ability to sign anything anymore that's going to be effective. To keep the house out of probate, it could be put into a revocable living trust. And here in California, that's sufficient to keep your personal residence out of probate. It's also sufficient to keep your personal residence from being taken by the state if you have to get Medi-Cal benefits. But we're coming on with the first break of the show. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about what this particular family in Southern California probably would need to do in order to get things in place to avoid probate and have someone now be in charge of things for the husband who is an advanced stage of Alzheimer's. So when we come back after the break, I'll answer those questions. But after the break, when I come back, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your Estate Radio host, and I will continue this discussion when we come back after this commercial break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I was talking about this situation out of Southern California where the family, it appears it was the wife actually, was trying to find out how to get a power of attorney for finances and a medical power of attorney or advanced health care directive for her husband who's in stage three of Alzheimer's. And the reality is, um, if a family came to me and said, hey, we need to do this, what do we need to do? The problem that they would be facing is that the husband has no, probably has no capacity, legal capacity anymore, to sign any kind of estate planning documents. But all is not lost. Um, As far as getting a trust put together, it would be possible to go to court under the probate code. It's probate code section 3100. And uh, the surviving spouse could probably put into effect um, a trust that uh, names the children to receive the property and actually giving trust in place to avoid having a future probate. 
The problem, though, is this family's probably looking at having uh, a conservatorship put in place to handle anything other than the property that would be owned by the trust and also to have authority to to do medical decisions for uh, for this husband. That's the problem. This situation uh, highlights a very common situation that happens throughout the state here, which is uh, people not even doing the most basic of estate planning, like a power of attorney, advanced health care directive, but instead just uh, relying on uh, staying healthy or um, or not becoming incapacitated. And we know that a lot of people will become incapacitated, disabled during their lifetimes. This just highlights if you don't get the planning done when you're healthy, the ability to do any kind of planning later on becomes severely limited and probably is going to end up going into the probate court for a conservatorship to have people handle things for you or maybe even for you to handle things for your spouse. Um, We live in a country where individual rights and liberties are the foundation of the country, and that means the individual rights to decide who's going to handle things for your finances and who's going to handle your personal issues, your medical care and treatment, things like that. I would urge people, at a minimum, download and fill out the statutory form power of attorney and statutory form advanced health care directive and maybe the statutory form simple will. At least get the first two documents in place. They don't cost you anything. You can download them, fill them out, have them signed. They might be witnessed. They might be notarized. But at least get a couple things in place so you can avoid a um, avoid a conservatorship if you become incapacitated. At the same time, those documents and a will are not going to avoid the probate process uh, when you die. Your property will end up likely end up going through probate without further planning than just a power of attorney, an advanced health care directive, and a simple will. So I urge you, do that. You can at least get those documents in place. They're not the best documents you could have, but they're at least going to get the job done for most things. But if you don't have those in place at all, no one has the authority to do those things for you, and they're going to end up having to go to court to get a conservatorship put in place. Now, <clears throat> here in Santa Clara County, a conservatorship could cost easily 7500 to $12,500 for an uncontested conservatorship. So they're not cheap, and uh, and it can be completely avoided by doing some proper estate planning, often involving using a living trust, and for a lot less than the cost of a conservatorship. So if this is something you've been putting off and uh, and you live in my area here in South San Jose, consider contacting my office through my website at, at lawbob.com and booking a consultation to come we, uh, meet with me. I don't charge for my consultations, so it's it's a free time. I'll give you at least a half an hour, maybe more like an hour, to find out some information and kick my tires to see if I'm the kind of vehicle that you want to use to do your planning for you. Um, I urge you to consider doing that. 
because I will tell you, I've seen many times over the years where families have put it off and then someone becomes incapacitated and now it's too late to do the kind of planning that really needs to be done. Switching gears a little bit, we're going to switch over to uh, a situation where, uh, this is again from Southern California, and the person says, I'm taking care of my mom now in my home. She lives with me 24-7, and I'm her caretaker. I need to renovate the front porch, driveway, and bathroom since she is in a wheelchair. It sounds like they need to put in a wheelchair ramp to the front porch, which is probably upstairs. Uh, the driveway may need to be widened so that there is room to uh, take a wheelchair out of the side of the vehicle to then get it maybe up a new walkway into the house. And then the bathroom, it sounds like it needs to be retrofitted to put in things like um, uh, safety bars or maybe even a new tub where mom can be rolled into the tub to be bathed rather than have to step in or be lifted in says, I do not receive any money for mom's care, but I do have power of attorney from her. Can my mother pay me for renovations to my house that would help her mobility? Well, if mom is still competent, she absolutely can pay you for renovations. She can authorize them. She can sign the checks, things like that. If you're the agent under power of attorney, I think arguably you can use your mother's funds to directly benefit her at your home. Uh, if there's other family members, I would suggest that you get buy-in from those other family members that it's okay to spend mom's money to make it easier for you to care for her. I mean, especially if you're a caregiver 24-7 and you're not being paid anything to do that. I think uh, I don't see any real problem offhand with using funds uh, of moms to do uh, renovations to your home so that you can properly care for her. Um, it was it would be either that or do have mom live someplace else that you'd have to pay for. At least this way, she's able to stay with you and be able to uh, take uh, be taken care of by you. So we're coming up on the mid-show break now. Uh, if you want to call in, it's 800 516 1220 that's 800 516 1220 or you may email your questions to me at radio at lawbob.com that's radio at lawbob.com after the break we're going to come back and i'm going to go over some more questions and situations from around the state and my comments and analysis on um, maybe some answers to those questions or what I think might be done or what might be a good idea. So until we come back after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll pick things up in uh, about four minutes after this commercial break. Talk with you then. Bob Bergman. Welcome back. Well, I'm going to continue on now with some more questions and comments from around the state of California, but you still can call in 800-516-1220 if you'd like to ask a question of me on the show today. So, uh, okay, here's uh, 
Here's one out of Los Angeles. It says an irrevocable trust has been created for a home in California. The two grantors, that's the people who created the trust, are husband and wife. Wife is the trustee. The beneficiary is their 21-year-old child. The beneficiary receives the entire share of the trust estate when the beneficiary turns 25 years of age. All three, mom and dad and their child, live in the home, and the trust was created during the grantor's marriage. If the husband and wife divorce, would the house need to be sold and divided among all parties? What happens to the house during the divorce? Well, if I'm reading this correctly, this house was put into an irrevocable trust for the benefit of the son who gets it when he turns 25 years of age. I mean, I'm assuming a son here. Now, what does that mean? That means that the husband and wife don't own the property at all. If they're living in the house, it's because their child thinks it's okay to do so because the child's the beneficiary. The wife being the trustee just means that she's the one handling things, not that she's the actual owner of the property. So if the husband and wife got a divorce, then they probably would not be living with each other anymore. But it doesn't affect the house because they don't own the house. And if they were to sell the house and divide the money between them, they're probably violating the terms of the trust, which says it's not their property. So it's kind of an interesting question uh, because it, it, what it suggests to me is that whoever asked the question didn't really understand what an irrevocable trust actually means. So we got, oh, we got, here we got right here. Um, my father-in-law has all of his assets in joint accounts or pay-on-death accounts with all of his beneficiaries on the accounts. That's probably not a smart thing to do for many reasons. I would agree with that, this person said. But he had a trust done years ago, and there are no assets in it. Is there any benefit or value to having a trust without any assets in it? It's an excellent question. Strictly speaking, if you have a trust that doesn't own anything, there really is no trust. If a trust does not have what we call a race, R-E-S, which is Latin for thing, if it doesn't have any property in it, it really kind of doesn't exist. Uh, usually if we create a trust that's going to not have assets put into it until after someone has died, we make a declaration that we've put $10 in or something like that so it actually owns something. But in a case like this, an empty trust has really no value at all unless beneficiaries on the joint accounts or the pay-on-death accounts don't survive the father-in-law and those accounts end up getting paid to the father-in-law's estate. Now, that's probate estate. Now, if that happens, the father-in-law, presumably if they created a trust, also has a special type of will called a pour-over will. It's called a pour-over will because it directs that any property payable to someone's estate either owned by them in their name or payable to their estate, is poured over into the trust that they created 
and the trust is typically identified right in the pour-over will to be where you would give property that uh, ends up in the estate. So a trust without assets in it might find itself owning assets after the person dies because the pay-on-death beneficiaries died at the same time or else uh, the pay-on-death beneficiaries uh, did not survive. Um, did not survive. They were already deceased when the owner of the accounts died. So it's a good question because you might think, well, there's nothing in it. Why do we have this anymore? But just like you might save something that, gosh, I don't think I need this thing I've been saving for 20 years, I pretty much guarantee if you throw out something that you consider to be junk, you're probably going to need it a week later. (laughs) I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's happened to me. And then I have to go and I have to buy a new one of the thing that I threw out not that long ago because I figured I'm never going to need this. Now, here's someone that asks, said, if my trust is worth $10 million at my passing, can my son inherit half of this or does the whole amount move over to my wife? Um, this person said, I understand that $5 million is the limit before inheritance taxes tick in. Or kick in. First of all, let's talk about that. Uh, the number right now is not five million; it's eleven point four million dollars of estate per person dying who's eligible, and that's pretty much U.S. citizens and permanent residents of this country um, are eligible to have that as the amount they can pass on. Uh, if this person actually owns ten million dollars of property, that's just their property and not property they own with their spouse, they could pass the whole $10 million to their son at death, and the son could inherit the whole thing. Uh, In the absence of doing any planning, if it's property that's separate from the marriage, and there's just the one son, then the spouse and the son would split that $10 million 50-50 when uh, the father were to die, if he were to die without any planning of any kind. That's what the probate law would say to do. But uh, here, the entire estate's not going to automatically go to his wife if he, in fact, is the only one who owns this property, if it's not owned as part of the marriage. If it's part of the marriage, then the husband can, by will or by a trust with his wife, if she agrees, leave his half directly to their to inherit, um, preferably by trust because it's going to be faster, more efficient, but it could be by will by leaving his half of the community property, which would be the property owned by the marriage, to leave his half to his son instead of to his spouse. So that's kind of a fairly long analysis, but I covered a lot of different bases in there. Uh, The bottom line is, uh, if you have an estate that size, you need to be doing estate planning for crying out loud. I mean, I think that's uh, uh, instead of just kind of asking a general question, it's time to sit down with someone like yours truly to talk about what should we be doing. Okay, uh, let's see here. My husband's father created a trust. He put his oldest daughter as the trustee. She's stealing everything, and he is not being cared for. How can he request an accounting of the trust? Will he need to uh, to go to the attorney who created it and 
have a request that way. Well, first of all, if he put his oldest daughter in as the trustee and he is still alive and still competent, he can fire her rear end by just communicating to her, you're removed as the trustee. Once she's removed as the trustee, he can then go after her and uh, and ask for an accounting or demand an accounting. And if she did take money from him that's his, she can he can go after her. Or if he doesn't want to go after her, he can turn around and change his trust and leave nothing to her at all. So uh, here, if the person's still competent, I just say, fire your daughter. That's the first thing. If you put her in charge and it's not an irrevocable trust, you can fire her because you're the creator of the trust. Okay. Um, my sister died. She left a living trust and a will um, with her home, naming a sister as a first trustee and her son as a second trustee. She also identified what they would get from her estate. Do the surviving sisters of hers, including me, get the life insurance policy investments and properties not named in the living trust? How do I check what was submitted to the court by her? Well, first of all, if there's a living trust, there probably was not any court action taken. Um, identifying specifically what the children receive from the trust might be one thing, but the trust probably says something about where does residual property go? First of all, if there is life insurance policy, it probably has a named beneficiary. It means it goes to whoever's the named beneficiary. If there are investment accounts and they have a pay-on-death beneficiary, it will go to those people. And if there's real estate not named in the trust, then you have to look and see what does the trust say about who gets what's called the residual or residuary uh, bequest from the trust. Uh, there can be specific gifts left in a trust, and then there be, can be gifts of what the what's called the residue or what else is left in the trust. So to answer that question, you have to go into the trust document itself and say, uh, what does the trust say about where other assets go? Here are specific assets that are named, but where does everything else go? Look to the trust. So here, uh, real quick, where to file a lawyer? Okay. My father's lawyer prepared a trust has since died. I need a copy of the trust. Where would I find these documents? First of all, your father hopefully has the original. If the attorney's died, then that attorney's uh, records have probably been turned over to another attorney. You might start with the local bar association to find out if there's any attorney there that took over that attorney's trust documents and estate. So, coming up on the third um, break of the show today, you can call. We'll have one more segment, 800-516-1220. But barring that, I will go through some more uh, questions and comments from around the state and then wrap up the show for today. This is State Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you after this last show break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. We're in the uh, final uh, final segment of the show today, and I thought I would finish up with a few more questions and comments from the state of California here. And let me see here. 
figure something, get something on my computer here out of the way. There we go. Um, now, here's uh, someone out of Long Beach, and this is actually this is actually a very good question because it's not something that is obvious on its surface. Does my daughter have to be on the house deed if she's named in my revocable trust to inherit my house uh, in order to qualify uh, for Proposition 13? Well, what we're talking about here, what this person's asking about is, If I pass my house to my daughter through my trust at my death, will she be able to keep the property tax that I have now, the taxes I'm paying now and the assessed value, and avoid having it reassessed, what we call an exclusion from reassessment? That exclusion is actually under Proposition 58, which um, is an extension of the original Proposition 13. And the answer to this person is she does not have to be on the house deed. In fact, she shouldn't be on the house deed in order to, uh, if you want her to inherit the whole property and get a new income tax cost basis as well as preserving the real property tax base and the lower property taxes. That's actually a very excellent strategy uh, is to have a trust that owns your residence and then leave it to your children um, so that they can enjoy having the lower taxes that you presumably have because you've lived there for many, many years and your property value has gone up well above what you originally paid for it. Now, here is kind of a companion question. My brother has me named in his revocable trust to inherit his house. Will I get his property tax rate under Proposition 13? I'm not on the house deed, only him, and there are no other family members. Well, the answer for this person is no. There is no exclusion from reassessment for a property passed from a brother to another brother. We don't have a sibling exclusion. We don't have a aunt to uncle. We don't have an aunt to nephew or or niece or uncle-to-nephew or niece exclusion. There's a parent-to-child exclusion and a child-to-parent exclusion. There's also, with specific circumstances, a grandparent-to-grandchild exclusion, but there is no grandchild-back-to-grandparent exclusion. So there are a number of exclusions under the law. If you're getting ready to do a transfer of some kind, that involves family members transferring ownership of property around, consider consulting with an estate planning attorney before you just do that. Uh, I've seen people inadvertently trigger a reassessment of the property taxes, even on their residence, because of a transfer that they did either incorrectly or they added people to the title of the property that actually do not uh, qualify for an exclusion from reassessment. Don't mess around with something like this. Making a mistake like this can end up costing a family thousands upon thousands of tax dollars over the years because either they should not have done the transfer in the first place or they did the transfer in the wrong way. Uh, It's a very, very complex area of the law 
it should not be attempted. This should not be a self-help or do-it-yourself kind of thing uh, to transfer property around. Um, in a like manner, I also advise people, don't put your children on the title of your home as joint tenants. There's some very severe income tax consequences with doing that, consequences for your children when you die and they receive your share of the property from the joint tenancy. I talk about this in my seminar, and uh, I noted actually someone else signed up, uh, took one of the spaces available, it looks like in my noon seminar tomorrow. So I think there's still one spot left, possibly. Um, but um, either that or there's a couple spots available uh, at the 9 o'clock. Now, we're coming up on the end of the show today. I just want to kind of uh, remind you all, you can have a free consultation with me on estate planning by going to lawbob.com, uh, or you could email me at radio at lawbob.com saying you'd like a consultation, and I can respond back with uh, information that allows you to book directly along with all the paperwork that you would need. So you could do that as well to start a conversation uh, electronically. You can also come to one of my seminars. My seminars tomorrow are pretty much full, but I do have two more coming up in the middle of November, Wednesday the 13th and Thursday the 14th, 7 o'clock, Camden Community Center in San Jose on Union Avenue near Camden Avenue. Very easy to find and get to. Those will start at 7 o'clock in the evening. So, uh, if I don't see you at my seminar tomorrow, I'll be back talking with you next Friday here on Plan Your State Radio. So, until next Friday, have a great weekend. I hope you have fun and it's profitable for you and you can spend time with family and friends. And uh, until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Hope you enjoyed the, enjoyed the show today. And we'll be back next Friday. Bye-bye for now. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.